Just want to thank you all for being here this morning. If you're a guest with us, we especially welcome you and hope that you are feeling greeted and, and warm here in our fellowship. When I was attending Maritime Christian College, I was taking a five-year Bachelor of Theology program, and a part of that program was to take five courses at the University of Prince Edward Island, it, it, courses like English, philosophy, psychology, and I decided I would take them all in one year, and then I could play varsity hockey. But I picked a year when that team was extremely strong, and it actually went to the finals of Atlantic Canada, and we lost to the team that won the national championships. But I, there were four defensemen that were really strong, and I didn't get much playing time as the fifth defenseman. But we moved on to the start of the playoffs, and we came to Halifax for a little tournament with Dalhousie and the University of New Brunswick. And in the first game, we played Dalhousie, and I never touched the ice. And then the second game, we played against UNB, and I sat on the bench the first period. But then partway through the second period, the coach puts me out, and I scored a goal. And on the bench, he said, every time I put Greg out there, he gets a scoring chance. And the guy said, why don't you play him more? Oh, he's a rookie. Rookies have to sit on the bench. But that, that's an aside. So... So then we won that game and we went into the finals of that section with Dalhousie. And I didn't get on the ice. And then the game went into overtime. And I know you're thinking, the coach put me on the ice and I scored. No, I, I was talking to the spare goaltender who was sitting beside me the whole game. And we were wondering, you know, if we score... Are we going to be excited and jump over the boards like everybody else, even though we aren't playing? And I said, we'll just wait and see what the feeling's like at the time. And sure enough, one of our players scored, and Trevor and I jumped the boards just like everybody else, screaming and we, with joy and excitement. And in the dressing room, we kept chanting U-P-E-I over and over again. So there was a, a time of joy and celebration. Today is a time of joy and celebration for us as Christians. But maybe for you, this is supposed to be a time of joy, but you're struggling with feelings of despair today. Maybe your prayers haven't been answered. Maybe you're having some struggles in your marriage. Maybe you have a child that's rebelling. It could be your health that's bad. Maybe your business is struggling. Or your team could have a losing record. It could be all kinds of things. And while others are joyful, you're battling depression because there's such a disparity between the hope and joy that you know you should have and what is going on in your life right now, what you're experiencing. Somebody said there are three essentials for a meaningful life. Someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. So life can't be meaningful unless we have that hope for the future. But the amazing thing about Christianity is no matter how grim our earthly situation, it presents a message of eternal hope. And the psalmist said, Why am I so discouraged? Why am I restless? I trust you and I will praise you again because you helped me. And the Apostle Paul said this, he said, we have our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all. 
Now, God's power to restore was displayed in Jesus coming back to life again. And here are his followers. They're devastated when he died. They thought that he was the Messiah, that he was going to be the one to restore all these promises that they had been given. But then when he hung on that cross and then was placed in that tomb, they lost that hope and they became afraid and they were filled with bitterness and cynicism. But Jesus Christ is the King of hope. And he overcame their despair and he renewed their hope really in a matter of hours. And today our study, as we continue in the series, Jesus, the message and method of a Savior, we come to a section in Luke that talks about three different people that experienced that kind of transformation. And let's allow our hopes to be transformed as we study what happened to them. So first of all, we see a, the first group, it was actually two men who in a way protected hope. So we're starting in Luke 23, verse 50. There was a good and religious man named Joseph who was a member of the council, but he had not agreed to the other leaders' plans and actions against Jesus. He was from the town of Arimathea and was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Now, this is actually the only time that we read about Joseph of Arimathea. But each of the four Gospels gives us just a, a little bit of information about him. Matthew said that he was a rich man. Mark said that he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish ruling council. It was over 70 men that were a part of that. And then Luke said that he had actually was not in agreement with the decision to kill Jesus. And John said that he was a secret disciple because he feared the Jews and wanted to protect his reputation. But after Jesus died, he was no longer a, a secret Christian. He came out of the closet and let people know that he really was a believer. So in 52, Joseph went to Pilate to ask for the body of Jesus. He took the body down from the cross, wrapped it in cloth, and put it in a tomb that was cut out of a wall of rock. This tomb had never been used before, and this was late on preparation day. And when the sun went down, the Sabbath day would begin. Now John's Gospel tells us that Joseph was accompanied by Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, if you remember, was that Pharisee who came to Jesus after dark. It wasn't to assault him or anything like that, but it was because he wanted to find out how he could be born again. So Nicodemus, he brings along 75 pounds of spices to anoint Jesus' body. And keep in mind that this is three on Friday afternoon, and at six o'clock, that's when they're Passover would begin. So these guys had that small window of opportunity to prepare the body for a proper burial. But these two prominent wealthy men, they took action. They did what the other followers of Jesus didn't have the influence or maybe didn't have the resources to do. And they contacted Pilate and they asked for permission to take Jesus' body down off that tree. They tenderly removed the body 
And they carried it several hundred meters to this tomb that Joseph had in a garden. They washed the body. They put some linen on the body, wrapped it in linen, and then applied spices. And they must have had a discussion with some of the women who were observing what was going on. And the women likely said, that's the best you can do for now. We'll come out after the Passover and we will finish this. And at dusk they head for home. But God used Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus to, in a sense, protect Jesus' body so that it could be buried with dignity. Then there was a group of women who discovered hope. In chapter 24 now, verse 1. Very early on the first day of the week, at dawn, the women came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. Now these women had faithfully followed Jesus all throughout his ministry. And verse 10 gives us some names. There was Mary Magdalene, and then Mary, the mother of the disciple John. Uh, also Joanna is mentioned in there. And then John also tells us that there was a woman named Salome. So while the apostles fled out of fear for their lives and they hid behind locked doors in that upper room, these four women, they hung in there at the cross until the end. They stood courageously by Jesus, being the last ones to leave. And now on Sunday morning, they are going out to the tomb to finish the burial process. And as they're walking along, they're asking one another, um, how are we going to get into that tomb? We saw the huge boulder that was rolled across the entrance. We saw the seal that was placed upon it, Pilate's seal. How are we going to get in? They're never going to allow us to break that seal or roll that stone away. But they continued and they walked along and they just knew that they had to be there. And you know what it's like. You have a relative that has been injured in a serious accident, and they're in intensive care in the hospital. And the doctors have said, we don't want any visitors around here, but you feel you've just got to be there. So you go, and you're in the waiting room of the intensive care, and you're praying, and you're waiting, and you're hoping that you might get to make a brief visit. So here are these women. They're going to the tomb, even though they're not sure if they're going to get to anoint the body. But they continue on, and when they arrive, they discover something quite unexpected. So we're picking up now in verse 2. They found the stone rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So not only was the stone rolled away, but the Roman soldiers who were stationed there to guard that body with their lives, they were gone, and the women entered the tomb and discovered that the body wasn't there. And while they were wondering about this, two men in shining clothes suddenly stood beside them. The women were very afraid and bowed their heads to the ground. And the men said to them, Why are you looking for a living person in this place for the dead? He is not here. He has risen from the dead. Do you remember what he told you in Galilee? He said the Son of Man must be handed over to sinful people, be crucified, and rise from the dead on the third day. Then the women remembered what Jesus had said. The women left the tomb and told all these things to the eleven apostles 
and the other followers. Now, it's difficult for us to harmonize the events that took place after this, or to get them in the right order, because everything happened so quickly. But here's the story, because we're getting each gospel writer giving snippets of what happened from their perspective. The group of women go out to the tomb early on that Sunday morning, and as soon as they discover that the body was missing, Mary Magdalene is out of there, and she rushes back to Jerusalem to tell the apostles that the stone has been rolled away. And, and then all she knows is that the tomb is empty. She hasn't seen Jesus or anything like that. The other women, they hang around, and they go inside the tomb, the two angels appear, but only one of them spoke, and he said Jesus was alive. So let's say a guest comes to our church for a service on a Sunday morning, and out in the cafe they meet uh, our associate pastor James and myself, and they go home from the service that day and say, I met the pastors at Halifax Christian Church. But let's say there's another guest who's already seated in here, and I go up and I introduce myself. And then that same guy shakes hands with uh, James out in the cafe, but he goes home and he says, I met the lead pastor of Halifax Christian Church. Uh, what's the difference here? Uh, the difference, is it recognizing that one is more important than the other, possibly? Or maybe he's just saying, that's the one that spoke that day. One gospel writer says two angels. One writer says one angel, the angel that spoke. So Mary finds Peter and John and tells them the tomb is empty and they run to see for themselves. And Mary can't stay up with them. They're running so fast. So she follows at a distance. And after she arrives at the tomb, they've already left. And so she's standing there all by herself, just kind of perplexed. And it's at this point that Jesus makes his first personal appearance. And he walks up to Mary and he says, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And she's so distraught that she doesn't even look up. She thinks this is a gardener or something like that. And she says, They've taken away the body of the Lord and I don't know what they've done with it. And all Jesus did was call her by name. And he said, oh, Mary. And then she recognized his voice. And she screamed, Master. And she fell down at his feet and embraced them. And then Jesus left her and he went off. And then he appeared to the rest of the women as they were making their way back to Jerusalem. Now, these women, they went from total despair to exuberant hope in a matter of a few minutes. And if you're having trouble believing in the resurrection, you'd do well to follow the example of these women and see how their hope was restored. So first of all, we note that they went to the most likely place where belief would be renewed. They didn't hole up in the upper room like the apostles did. They went to the one place where it was closest for them to be near Jesus. And if you want to increase your hope, then you need to go to the place where hope is stimulated. 
if you seldom go to church, if you don't read the Bible, if you don't read Christian literature, if you don't listen to Christian music, if all your closest friends are skeptics, then you're not going to be a strong believer. If you want to have hope, then you can't hibernate in the upper room. Now, they also confronted their fear in their search for hope. But most of us don't even like to go into a, a funeral home, let alone into a dark, damp tomb. And, and that's what these women were doing. They might have been slightly hesitant, but they confronted their fear and they went inside. Now, some people have no hope in God because they've not been courageous enough to confront their fear of what God might do in their lives. They're afraid he's going to make some changes and then, well, I have to do some things differently in my life. Or, or maybe they don't want to be embarrassed by their lack of Bible knowledge so they won't go to a life group. Or maybe they don't get baptized because they don't want to be made fun of by their friends. Or maybe they don't want to be frightened by the supernatural so they don't go very far in this business of faith. But these women, they were searching for that. And then they discovered hope because they recalled the words of Jesus. The angel said, remember what he told you when he was with you in Galilee, that he was going to be crucified and that he would rise from the dead on that third day? And over and over again, Jesus had told his followers this, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be raised back to life again. Sometimes he used some analogies to explain that. But they forgot all about that and they lost hope. But now after the fact, the angel says, remember? And all of a sudden they go, oh yeah. And there was something about reviewing the words of Jesus that helped them believe and renewed their hope. So if you want your hope renewed, then study the scriptures and look at verses like Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing the good news and people hear the good news when someone tells them about Christ. So when you read the Bible, there's something special that happens. The Holy Spirit starts to work in your life because the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the, that very book. Then the women chose to believe the evidence. They hadn't seen Jesus, but they'd seen the stone rolled away. They'd seen the empty tomb. They'd seen the grave clothes lying there. And they had heard the angels. But they still had to then, at some point, choose to believe. The Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. So you can spend a lifetime examining the evidence, but there comes a point in your life where you have to make a decision, even though you don't have 100% proof, you make a choice, this is what I believe. I'm going to base the rest of my life on this hope. And the final thing that the women did was act on the faith that they had. And we read about this in verse 9. The women left the tomb and told all these things to the 11 apostles and the other followers. So once you begin to articulate your, your actual hopes, belief is reinforced. And as you teach 
you learn. As you share your faith, you grow. And I see this over and over again with each person that I disciple and tell about faith in Jesus Christ. It makes me stronger. Somebody said the Easter mandate is for every Christian to come and see and then go and tell. We have a video testimony of a young man in our church that shows how we need to have that hope in our lives. I was really uh, selfish. I was really weak. I, I don't care about uh, people around me. Uh, the only thing matters is myself and not taking a responsibility. That hurts my family, hurts my friend. It's like when devil wants you to become the old you. He will ring the bell or he will call you. Uh, sometimes we will pick it up. It's like the phone call, like it will, it will pick it up and talk to the devil to, and he will tell you, well, uh, what thing suits yourself best is the best thing you would like to do. But God told me that I can hang up. I can let it go. Uh, I, ha I need to have faith on him. He will change everything in my life. Hi, my name is Will. Uh, I get baptized on 2020, October 4th in Christ. I'm about like two and a half years old. What make me uh, to look for Jesus? Just one time, uh, I was so lost. I don't know where's my direction. I feel that I'm so hopeless in my life. I remember I opened a, opened the Bible for uh, interest to look at like what 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 God gonna say to me. Uh, the first time I open the Bible, I read the first word from the Bible. Is Jesus said, "I'm the light. Uh, I'm the only way who can bring you to heaven. You need to trust on me." That touches my soul. I think at that time, and I feel that He is the hope, and I can trust in Him. When people getting hopeless, they are looking for hope. We will go through storm, of course. Uh, but the reason we go through storm is because God wants us to be stronger. Uh, and right now, the biggest storm I'm going through is it's about my relationship with my wife. Uh, we are in a separation uh, progressing right now. This struggled me so much, so many, so long, for so many years already. We are having the lawyer, uh, we are fighting for money, fighting for uh, the house, the property, and all the damages, all the hurts or the arguments uh, I had with her uh, and how how bad that was to Chris uh, when we have the arguments when Chris was seeing us like that it was so bad it was so uh, heartbreaking I used to want to die uh, because I feel that it's so meaningless to be alive in, in this life I bring I bring damage to people, I bring hurt to people. Uh, it's not good. I remember there was one day, God used a message to tell me that don't be afraid of being broken because this is how God can bring His glory to your life. Uh, and that's, all, that's also the main reason why I come to find James at the first place when I call him at the first place. I asked the gems that I did something wrong. Um, I know that's not right, but I, I don't know what to do. 
what can I do? So he led me to the church with Carlos and Grab. Grab. I decided to get baptized. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bury your Christ in baptism and raise to walk in. <laughs> Uh, I feel that uh, being Christ uh, after getting baptized, the best thing uh, happens to me is I know that I'm taking my cross, the heavy cross that God wants me to take to follow Him. Even I'm still still struggling, even I'm still uh, very lost in this situation. Uh, God is with me, and I believe in Him. He will lead the road. He will lead the way to uh, my destination, uh, to my marriage, to my family, to give us a very peaceful ending and give us a very peaceful life in the future. So there was Will growing up in a culture with no religion at all but he hit that low point of hopelessness in his life. And there was one direction he could have gone in, and he talked about that. But he chose to make himself available of what options were there. Opened God's Word, contacted our church. That was during one of our shutdowns due to COVID. And, and our associate pa pastor, James, took the call, and they did some counseling together. And then he got into a Bible study with... Carlos Medrano, our worship director, and I, and, and then you saw the result. I, I love the celebration on his face when he was watching his own baptism there in the video. But there was a group, the last group that we're going to look at this morning, that disbelieved hope. So the women told the disciples what was going on, and Luke 24, 11 says, but they did not believe the women because it sounded like nonsense. And the Greek word that's used to describe the women's reaction was a term that medical writers use when they're talking about someone that's insane or someone that is babbling. And so they're talking about these women as if they're a feverish, babbling, insane group of people. How could you be talking about Jesus coming back to life again? It's not possible. But verse 20, chapter 24, verse 12, but Peter got up, and ran to the tomb, and John's gospel tells us that John ran with him. And bending down and looking in, he saw only the cloth that Jesus' body had been wrapped in. Peter went away to his home, wondering about what had happened. So notice that Peter had wondered, because he, he didn't believe, he didn't have total hope at this point, but hope was starting to kind of be rekindled in his life. He heard what the women had said, and he saw the empty tomb, he saw the grave clothes, and he wondered, could it really be? So Peter's and the other disciples' hopes were made certain that night. John 20 records it for us. When it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews, and Jesus came, stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. 
See, maybe right now I'm talking to someone who is actually like these disciples. Maybe your hopes are wavering. Maybe there's a relationship that you are in and that relationship is dying and you don't think that it can ever be restored. Don't you believe that the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead can actually resurrect respect and caring and compassion in a relationship? Maybe you have a child that's spiritually dead right now and you've, you're discouraged and you've tried everything and, and it's not working. Don't you believe that the same God that raised Jesus from the dead has the power to resurrect a spiritual sensitivity in him or her? So keep hoping and keep praying and keep believing. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Then maybe you're living contrary to the way that you were trained and you've constantly violated your own values and your immoral behavior has killed your conscience and your wholesomeness and you're thinking to yourself, oh, there's no hope for me. But the same God that resurrected Jesus from the dead is the one who can actually resurrect in you a clean and spiritually sensitive heart. He said in Isaiah 1, Come, let us talk about these things. Though your sins are like scarlet, they can be as white as snow. Though your sins are deep red, they can be white like wool. Maybe there's a couple here today whose hope for a family seems gone. You're discouraged because your primary desire in life has been to have a family and it's just not happening. Don't you believe that the same God that raised Jesus from the dead can create life in that womb or open a door for adoption? Don't give up. Everything is possible with God. So maybe circumstances, maybe a dismissal, a rejection, a diagnosis, a, a, a termination has left you emotionally dead. Don't you think that God can dramatically change that? This same God that brought Jesus back to life again. Maybe you recently buried a loved one and you're in despair and you stood by that grave and, and your life has now become void of meaning. Would you remember that Jesus Christ is the King of hope? And Jesus' resurrection is the first one of many to come. So just trust and believe. Hold on to that hope. And one day there is going to be a reunion. Did you believe that a tiny acorn can be placed in the ground and eventually you get a really giant oak tree? And you believe it because you've seen it happen. But if you'd never seen it happen, you'd say, oh, there's no way that a tiny acorn can become this huge oak tree. Do you believe that the tiny sperm from a man can unite with the egg of a woman and from that almost invisible embryo in nine months' time out comes this live baby with hands and feet and eyes and ears and all that stuff? And you believe it because you've seen a birth. But... I guarantee that if you've never seen a birth and somebody told you, you'd say, nah, there's no way that could happen. Do you believe it's possible for the human body to die and years later for that body to be raised and transformed into an eternal body and then have a reunion with loved ones? Sure, it's possible because in Jesus Christ, we've seen it. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul wrote, 
But Christ has truly been raised from the dead, the first one and proof that those who sleep in death will also be raised. Death has come because of what one man did, but the rising from death also comes because of one man. In Adam, all of us die. In the same way, in Christ, all of us will be made alive again. So that is when that transformation will take place because of our trust in Jesus Christ. And when the end of this world comes, we will be united with him. Simon Peter was the one who saw those grave clothes. He was the one who saw the empty tomb and later on saw Jesus himself. And then he wrote these words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now we hope for the blessings God has for his children. These blessings, which cannot be destroyed or be spoiled or lose their beauty, are kept in heaven for you. So our hope remains eternal, no matter what dies in this world, because Jesus Christ is our resurrected, our Lord, our King of hope. So maybe there is some discouragement in your life, but Jesus Christ is the King of hope. And the amazing grace of God was displayed on that cross when Jesus died and then was brought back to life again. He did all of that because he wanted to take the punishment for all of our sins. And the most amazing part is that he conquered death and was resurrected back to life three days later. If you don't have that hope in your life, we want you to have that hope. We're going to sing a song right now. You can come to the front and talk to me about finding out what that hope is all about. I'll guide you in the steps to find it. Talk to me afterwards. Talk to James or any of our leadership. But don't leave here without finding out what that hope really is. <laughs>